Amen. We said this. Uh, we said this a few weeks ago. The the song, "Give thanks to the Lord for He is good; His love endures forever." Would you say that with me? If you remember that, "Give thanks to the Lord for He is good; His love endures forever." God, thank you for that goodness, for that grace that we can just sing about over and over again. It never fails, never ending. And may we contemplate, receive that today in our, in our heart and our life, believe that you are good and, and respond to that. Step into that glorious light of your grace through your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Grab a seat, you guys. It is great to be with you today. My name is Jonathan. I'm the executive director of operations and ministries. Let's all say that together, right? What a job description. <laughs> um, crisis management. How's that? You know, it's one of those jobs. Uh, you deal with things as they come, but also, man, I am so, so honored and privileged to continue to serve uh, our team here and you guys. Um, Fitz uh, is is just a, a crazy fun. Um, never a dull day kind of guy to work with and work for um, along with our elders. And uh, yeah, it is, you know, day to day, just depending on the need. I have to remind myself, I was telling my, uh, I got my hair cut, you know, high and tight yesterday. And um, it's always such a great opportunity to, to have a little chat or conversation. The, the lady cut my hair, what do you do? And hey, full-time pastor, oh, you know, and they either stop talking right at that point, you know, and just cut the rest of the time or they, they want to know more. And man, we had a great conversation about uh, the church here in Jesus and, and uh, my job here. And I, I said, you know, we always have to remind ourselves every day, um, there's about you guys, it's about people, it's about helping and pointing people closer to Jesus. Um, the other things uh, sort of take care of themselves. You still have to deal with them, you know, and that's, that's the job part of it. Um, but we are so honored and blessed to serve you guys and excited to share with you today. Once in a while, they let me preach. And, and today's one of those days. We're in week two of a series called Illuminate. I do want to um, just, I, I shared with first service, so just uh, again, when I'm in this place right here, looking out over the room uh, to each week see more and more seats filled, less empty seats as we just work gradually day by day back to somewhat of a normal thing. But getting people back on campus it continues to be our, our effort, whether it's for the first time or been away for a long time and just feel ready to, to get back. And if you're online with us, man, we are always are so glad you're joining us from wherever we are, like Fitz said, whether it's on the other side of the world or or just down the street. If you are just down the street, then we'd love for you to come on. We, if you're watching from way far away, find a church in your neighborhood, in your community. But if you're, you're right here, then, then the door is open. All right? So we'd love to have you. Now, you guys are usually sitting over here, right? What's, what's up with that? Okay, all right. Um, I, I mess with our front row people once in a while because um, they're usually down here by themselves, you know, and they got, they'd love to have some of y'all join them, um, whether it's right over here. They're not contagious, at least I don't think so. You guys are good. Um, and uh, so feel free. We, but if you're in the room, no matter where you are, again, or online, it's just great to be with you. So yeah, uh, week two of Illuminate. Last week, Fitz got us started. And uh, it really, the, uh, not that um, I can sum up his sermon in, in one sentence, but I'm going to give it a shot. Here it is. God is light. Uh, that, that was, you know, 34, 35 minutes of his message last week kind of came down to that. God is light. And 
I'll add this part, we're not, okay? And we're gonna get into that here in a minute. Um, my camera was on, that is weird. I was looking at you guys for a minute through the camera on my iPad. You never know what you're gonna get on these iPads. Now my notes are upside down, so let me fix that. Okay, there we go. We're good? Okay, never know what these things are. Battery's good, all right. Because um, if I lose my notes today, I'm, I'm really hanging on these notes today, all right? I don't get to preach often enough and you don't want me winging it. Um, God is light, we're not. He is the source. We're made simply to reflect it. God created light in the beginning. He made light, he said it's good, um, and therefore God is light. And to illustrate that, and just to reinforce that, whenever we talk about this subject, uh, light and darkness, um, my mind goes to the sun and moon illustration. You know, kind of obvious, the sun, you know, this uh, nuclear reaction that's going on on such a grand scale that, you know, we can't hardly, well, we can't look at it directly. It'll burn our retina. But um, when, when the moon reflects the sun, you get this. Um, and I don't know if you've ever been out on a, you know, probably have a late night, you know, full moon. I, I don't recommend this, but you could, you could turn your lights off almost, you know, when you're driving, it's, it's just that bright and it's a beautiful thing. And, and we stare at it, we romance under it, all the different things, but, um, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing when the moon reflects, uh, the sun and all of its glory there. But just kind of pretend with me for a minute. What if the, the moon developed a conscience and became self-aware and could make some decisions on its own, kind of like you and me, free will. And the, sun, and the moon said, I, you know, checking out, not gonna reflect the sun anymore. I'm gonna do my own thing. Here's what you get, okay? Desolation as the Apollo astronauts who went to the moon and landed, that was one of their first descriptions of this, of this place, the great desolation of the moon, the dark side of the moon, if you will, um, not reflecting God's glory, God's light, the sun uh, physically that he created. And so by itself, the moon doesn't have the capacity to shine, more specifically when the moon, if it shows in its free will to turn its back on the sun, it cannot shine. And when we do, don't do what we're designed to do, then things go dark in a hurry. And so there's two kinds of darkness. One we, we talked about last week a little bit. Fitz described kind of the darkness of circumstances, heartbreak and fear and anxiety, disease. These aren't necessarily choices we make. They're circumstances we find ourselves in as a result of a fallen world, yes, as a result ultimately of sin, of brokenness, but we don't necessarily choose to have a disease. We don't choose to be anxious. I mean, you know, like real anxiety, real depression. And so those are kind of like, I, I think of those as the valley of the shadow of death, Psalm 23 kind of darkness. We find ourselves in circumstantially, and the good news is, as the psalm writes, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. Your light shines uh, in that kind of darkness. But then there's the darkness of sin, and this is more where we place ourselves out of sin being rebellion. We simply rebel. We choose against what we know is right or what deep down we feel like, man, this probably isn't right, but I will do it anyway. And we live our life just making one choice after the other that puts us further and further away from God, out of alignment with God. 
and we find ourselves in utter darkness. And so today we're talking about the darkness of sin and how we can be rescued from it. We're not just going to talk about darkness, but if you'll hang with me, we're going to get to the rescue part, which is the best part uh, for us today. And I want you to hear that word loud and clear, rescue, because if you're thinking that what you've done and the darkness that you're living in, the pit you live in is permanent, then know that now there there is a rescue plan. And God is the author of that. And his grace demonstrates that. And it's just a lie when we think that there's no way out or that what I've done is is unforgivable or God doesn't care about me anymore. He's walked away from me. I'm alone here. That that's simply a lie that God or that Satan has put into us. And today we're going to dispute that and we're going to disrupt that lie with the good news, the bright light of Jesus Christ. Okay? You with me on that? The bright light of Jesus Christ disrupts and it disputes the lies that Satan puts into our heart as we find ourselves in the darkness of sin. Now, before we get to that good news, that bright light, that rescue plan, I want to make sure that we really do grasp this darkness of sin that we're talking about. If you're there, you, you get it. You're like, you don't have to tell me. I'm experiencing it today. In fact, it took everything I had just to get out of bed and get here today. And the blinders are on and the light is gone and, and I am wandering in darkness. So I want to tell you a story and use this as kind of our primary illustration metaphor today. It's, it's about some young boys in Thailand. You may be familiar with this story. On the far end, there's the coach, young guy, and, and his 12 soccer players are called the, the wild boars. And it started out as a pretty typical Saturday in Thailand's northernmost town, Mai Say. It was late June, nearly 90 degrees there, like a hot, damp towel around your neck. You know, July in the Ohio Valley, similar kind of day. But practice went on as normal. These kids love soccer, and nothing was going to keep them from another day of practice. Their bikes were their means of transportation, and the energy and the curiosity they have just overflowed in, in their life. It was like this bottomless tank of energy and curiosity, even after several hours of soccer practice led them to the cave. It was now early afternoon. They had been practicing all morning, running, playing soccer, practicing, and they jump on their bikes. And after a brief bike ride outside of town, they arrived at the cave entrance. And they had refueled on soda and get this snacks of squid and fried batter. Now, when next time you go to Speedway, I wanted to ask them if they got some fried or some squid and fried batter. That point to the beef jerky section, all right? Um, but that was their their uh, energy refuel for the day, and they rested their bikes in the bushes and near the cave entrance. They walked down a set of muddy stairs to the mouth of the cave where there was no, a sign. I want you to kind of park this in your head. They approached. The interesting there was a sign, and that sign said in big letters, danger, exclamation point, danger, flooding season from July to November. Now it was June 23rd, and so there's nothing to worry about, and they began their journey. After about 200 yards into the mouth of the cave, they encountered the first, they call it squeeze, a passage roughly the size of a crawl space you might find under a staircase. Now, if you're me, that's when you turn around and say, I'm out. I'm headed back, and I'm going to get some more fried squid, okay? Uh, tight squeeze. And, and so if you've been to Mammoth Cave, it's, it's, this isn't Mammoth Cave on a nice leisurely guide through a nice well-lit cave. This is no lights other than your flashlights. These are tight squeezes that, 
these skinny boys were able to, to fit through. They encountered several more of those as they passed through 100 yards, 200 yards, 300 yards, ultimately over two miles into the cave. And in the meantime, as their journey presses on, unbeknownst to the boys, it had begun to rain outside the cave. Flooding season had arrived early. And now, as, as we know, it was within an hour from that point that what began as a curious, seemingly innocent journey became a 14-day nightmare of darkness and absolute terror. As water filled the narrow passages that the boys and their coach had, had just gone through, and they realized there was no return trip. They were trapped over two miles into this cave on a small sandy beach just above the waterline. Now, there's few places you can go to experience the kind of darkness that these boys were in. Most dark places we find ourselves, there's a degree of ambient light. We can at least see some shadows or get to where we need to go. But in a cave, thousands of feet underground, batteries dying, not even a hint of light. It's absolute darkness. And there's some interesting things that begin to happen as time passes in this environment, physiologically and psychological things that happen to a person in the setting. Uh, The Discovery Channel interviewed a a doctor, Dr. Lucy McBride, and she shared some observations about being trapped in this kind of situation. I want you to listen to what she said. How many of you? Being trapped in the dark for even a couple hours is traumatic. These kids are without their parents, they're without their loved ones, and even if you were stuck for an hour, you would be traumatized. But to be stuck for nine days where you have no exposure to the outside world, your sensory system is completely deprived, you go through not just fear, but panic. July 2nd, 2018. We are coming. It's okay. It's okay. Many people are coming. Many, many people. We are the first. Many people come. The boys are huddled on a small, damp, muddy ledge, just six by 16 feet wide. In a partially flooded chamber, two and a half miles deep into the cave and a half mile below the Doi Nang Nan Mountain. They are hungry and exhausted, but safe for now. But being on their own in the cave for so long has taken its toll. It was 10 days before the boys and the coach were found. And that 10 days must have been extraordinarily difficult, full of many emotions. Not to mention the physical trauma of not being fed. The more body fat you have and the more muscle you have, the longer you can survive. So if you're small, like some of these prepubescent boys are, it's a lot harder because you don't have as much fat to use as fuel once your blood sugar supply has run out. Oxygen levels in the tight pocket of air surrounding the boys are plummeting to nearly 15%, putting the team at a severe risk of hypoxia. Hypoxia is a state where you are low on oxygen. Your body requires oxygen to function. When someone is deprived of oxygen, there's a gradual deterioration of organ systems. People can have rapid heart rate, confusion, headaches, difficulty breathing, 
extreme lethargy, your heart stops, your lungs stop working, you die. But the boy's physical condition is just one concern. Being trapped in a cave for 10 days with no immediate rescue plan is also wearing them down psychologically. If you are not exposed to light for nine or 10 days, you are being deprived of sensory inputs and you're facing the possibility of death. You can sleep actually and not know how much time has passed. So you really lose track of time when you're not exposed to any light. I hope that you or I never find ourselves in that specific kind of situation like, like those boys. I'd say the chances aren't pretty good unless you're really risk-oriented and you like to go cave exploring. Um, chances are pretty good that we're not going to find ourselves like literally caught in that kind of darkness, thousands of feet under, under the ground. But, but what's not so unique is the, the darkness and entrapment of sin. So as we go from a metaphor to the reality of sin in, in our life, every single one of, one of us are there. We're trapped or we're trapped and entangled. And the issues we face, while maybe not physical, are exactly the same. So uh, the, Dr. McBride shared some specific things that start to happen in that kind of situation. I want to translate that into what happens when we are in the darkness of sin. Just like the, the boys began to find themselves hungry without food, just the practical malnourishment that starts to happen and the effect that that has on your body. So too, when we lack the bread of, of life, the, the, the person of Jesus in our life who sustains us, um, we begin to feel empty. And then the, the lack of oxygen, the, the hypoxia that the boys were beginning to experience, that same thing happens to us spiritually. The breath of God that, that pours life into us, the Holy Spirit, when we lack that, um, we begin to lose our breath and become, dis, and become delusionary. And I think maybe most importantly, the, the first 10 days, if you caught that, they, they, from the moment they were trapped, realized they were trapped to the first divers to find where they were, was 10 days. And so over a week and a half without knowing that there's any kind of rescue plan, what, what begins to happen? You lose hope and you begin to despair that this is it. This is where it will all end. And then the, the lack of sensory input. There's a, some really interesting things that happen to our bodies when our, our eyes, our photoreceptors aren't receiving light. Did you know that when we wake up every day and we receive the, the outdoor light, the sunlight that hits us, whether it's a cloudy day or an actual the sun's out kind of day, it's a reset to our body and it indicates this is a new day. And, and man, what a powerful metaphor for us in the light of Christ that resets our life, renews our life, impresses us, leads us into a new day. So we need those things in our life and without them, the imminent result and what these boys were facing and what living in the darkness of sin begins to create in our life is, is death. The end result, death. And so here's the, here's the good part. The story doesn't end with these boys being trapped and dying a horrible death, separated from their family. Within 20 hours of the parents realizing their kids were trapped and notifying the authorities a rescue plan to find those boys, uh, was formed and it, it took several days of stretching the various experts and their limits of ingenuity and testing their propensity for risk. A plan, once they were discovered, came into play and was presented that gave them the best chance of getting the boys out alive. It was agreed upon and set into motion. 
So between day 10 and day 14, that plan was formulated and ultimately executed. And in the same way, God in his sovereignty, realizing that his children have gone astray, he set into motion a plan to rescue us. And like those young boys, we wander into danger. We ignore the warning signs. Remember the warning sign, we ignore those. And before long, we're trapped in darkness and we're entangled in our sin. We're trapped on a sandy beach without escape. And the Bible says we're like sheep who wander astray, but our great shepherd, he comes and he finds us. And so here's how God's rescue plan, if you've never heard this before or need to be reminded, here's God's rescue plan for us and how it unfolds. John 1, 1 through 14, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God, and the word was God, and he was with God in the beginning through him, and this is Jesus, through him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. When the cave divers first found those boys alive in chamber nine of the cave, every one of them, every one of those boys, and you saw it, there in the video, it was filled with hope. And they wanted to know when, when can we go home? When can we get out? When will we be saved and taken out of this place? What you didn't see in their response wasn't, ah, you know what, we're good. We're just enjoying our time here in the darkness. Thanks for checking on us. Of course not. Those divers came up out of the water. Those boys went from despair to hopefulness in a moment. And they knew, okay, there's hope, there's a possibility that we're gonna be saved. But, but you and me and, and our world, man, we, just like John wrote, we turn our back, we don't even recognize our rescuer. It would be, if, again, if those boys just turned their back completely and said, why are you even here? That's, that's the world we live in and that's, that's you and me when we rebel and when we get comfortable in our darkness, we get comfortable in our despair. We just maybe assume this is how it is. But if you want Jesus to rescue you, he makes it really simple. In the New Testament, we find key steps on the part of the here, the one encountering Jesus and his message of hope and salvation. And, and they're invited to step in to receive that salvation. It's available, um, and that's God's part. Only the blood of Jesus saves us. But our part, well, this is what the Bible tells us to do. And again, this this. For many of you, you've done this, you've heard it, but, but I want to remind you, and if you haven't, 
Hear this for the first time, okay? And uh, receive it and step into it. God calls us to believe. John 3.16, we all know it. Let's say it loud. Let's read it loud. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Faith in Christ means believing and believing that he is God and divine and that Jesus is is his one and only son, submissive to the Father's authority, and that he exists, that he existed eternally with the Father before time, after time, in all of creation, that Christ was real, that he walked on this earth, that the word did become flesh, that he is an historical figure, and that he continues to exist at the right hand of the Father. He is, Jesus, the living example, the way of life that pleases God. That's what we say we believe in, those truths about God and his son and his spirit. And then we are led to confess in John, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Belief, okay, I can get there. Confess, are you serious? Con- confess what I've done, done wrong. I mean, who likes to confess? Our natural tendency is to cover up. This is an ancient problem going all the way back to Adam and Eve. After they had sinned, what did they do? They hid, they covered up. Have you ever thought about how much money and time and difficulty we could save as a society if we would just own our mistakes and confess? If you'll indulge me for a minute when I preach. I usually have maybe one soapbox and this is going to be it. All right, so hang on. I'm not a legal expert, but from what I understand, most defendants will submit a not guilty plea at their initial arraignment. There's a lot of reasons for this, but the bottom line being it initiates a process in which the goal is to get off with as minimal consequences as possible. Now, if you're actually not guilty, this is a good thing. And we know that there are times when someone is falsely accused and should pursue writing their name through the justice system. But it just seems that more often than not, the guilty person is simply unwilling to come clean and therefore weeks and months and years and documentaries and 2020 episodes and 48-hour episodes are spent spinning stories and evidence into false narratives in order to possibly get away with something that they did and should be appropriately punished for. So what if we all just confessed our wrongdoings and immediately with no pretense? You really want freedom? You really want rescue, like real rescue? Then Unload the enormous weight of guilt of what you know you've done at the feet of Jesus. Because here is the beautiful thing. While the wages of sin is death, consequence in God's justice, consequence in Christ, we are set free. He carried the weight. He interceded on our behalf. And we are pardoned. Because he took that death penalty for us. That is the good news of the gospel. Confession, it's not just good for the soul. It's necessary to walk towards Jesus and to daily walk with him. It's the beginning 
walking towards and then continuing to walk. It's not a one and done, believe me, okay? So we believe, we confess, that leads us to repentance, Acts 3.19. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Repent, turn, reorient your life. Remember the moon, when the moon is out of sync with the sun, when it is oriented away from the sun, the angles aren't correct, it cannot, it will not reflect the sun, but when the moon is properly oriented with the sun, it shines brightly, and the same for us in our way. Repentance is when we orient our life in such a way that we are properly positioned to reflect God's glory, his light. And so we believe, we confess, we repent, and that culminates in this beautiful thing of baptism. Acts 2.38, Peter replied, he's replying to all of these people who have heard this gospel, and what do we do? Peter, what, what do we do with what you've told us? And he says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Every week, we're privileged Almost every week, we're, we're privileged to see someone in this space over here in this water being baptized. And, and I want to be clear that what we're witnessing is, is a culmination of things we just talked about. It's not an afterthought, a, now that I'm saved, I'll do this because Grandma really thinks it's a good idea if I get baptized. It'll be a nice picture moment. It'll be, be just this great feel-good moment. No, it is a personal, and here this pinnacle moment in someone making Jesus their Lord and Savior. And we know that it's not the, the water, it's not the, the words, it's not the person baptizing or the person being baptized, it's not the song we're singing or the occasion even itself, but it is only the blood of Jesus that saves. Our parts, our part is what we just talked about. Believe, confess, repent, baptize. It's that simple. It's surrender. It's surrender. And when we surrender, we do those things. On Sunday, July 8th, cave divers began to bring the boys out one at a time. The plan that had been formulated over four days, and if you read more about this, you begin to understand the complexity of this. These boys were trapped nearly two and a half miles underground in a cave where they had walked and squeezed and crawled through, now filled with water. And these adult divers, willing to risk their life, in fact, one died in the process, gave their life, laid their life down to bring these boys out. And the way they did it, and this is powerful, those boys had to be literally strapped to those divers. Those divers carried the full weight of these young boys to safety. And so navigating nearly three miles of underwater darkness, navigating all those squeezes the boys had walked and crawled through two weeks earlier, one by one, after nine hours, the boys began to come out. And over the course of two and a half days, all 12 boys and their coach were rescued and reunited with their families. And I want you to hear this. They were born again. They were born again. First Peter 1 Peter 1.3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth. 
He's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So let me ask you, are you tired of wandering in the dark? Are you running low on air? Are you hungry for something that lasts? Take a step towards Jesus. He's been there all along. He's always been there. We just just didn't recognize him. Maybe we weren't looking. So during this next song here in just a minute, I'm going to invite you to take a step. We're going to have... We're going to have our elders, our leaders, our shepherds, this body. Some of them are going to be at each of these stairwells over here, kind of off to the side. And they're there, not as your rescuers, but as your guides, as your helpers, as your shepherds, to point you to Jesus, to pray with you, to counsel you. And so, yeah, I'm going to boldly ask you, if you don't know Jesus, take that step. And I'm not talking about in your heart. Like, I'm talking about literally taking a step, okay? Like, one step out into the aisle, another step, another step until you find yourself here. And this will be the most important, best decision of your life. Today, because today, I believe for somebody here online, wherever, is your day of rescue. Today is your moments to be reborn. Today is your day to come into the light begin shining brightly for Jesus. Ephesians 5. For once, if you're a believer today, this is your story. If you want to step into Jesus, this can be your story. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness righteousness and truth and find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. That's what light does. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up sleeper, rise from the dead. And Christ will shine on you. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your bright, shining light of grace that exposes our sins, delivers us into righteousness. So thank you for doing that for us. Thank you for this moment now that we can step, literally step into you. Give us the courage to do that. For all believers in this room, may we stop pretending if we're living in shadows, if we're beginning to rebel or walk away, that we turn immediately to you and reflect just like a full moon, the glory of your presence, the glory of who you are so that others may come to know you through each of us. So as we sing, worship and we honor the name of Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen. Let's stand together as our team comes and leads us. And would you step today? Our guys will be on each side. Step into the light.